This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning in today's headlines. As the saying goes, every cloud has a silver lining, but will Southwest Airlines customers and the federal government be satisfied with the compensation that's being offered? China's sweeping COVID-19 outbreak continues to worsen. Major cities are starting to see long lines of cars waiting outside funeral homes. A concerning new study on COVID vaccines are those booster shots all they're cracked up to be. We'll take a look. A heroic barber in Buffalo, New York, opened doors to some very cold customers during the historic blizzard, an act that may have saved some lives. And the arguably most famous bus driver in the U.S. He went viral for being kind, and we find out where he is now. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I am Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, December 30th, and that's it. We have made it to the end of the year, but it's been a tough one. And it doesn't seem like it's quite over yet. In China, COVID-19 infections are surging. And back home here in the U.S., the CDC is considering new tactics to track any emerging new variants, but not without difficulty. The agency is struggling with China's lack of transparency around COVID. It's considering sampling wastewater from international aircraft as one of its options. Infectious disease experts say when it comes to tracking the virus and slowing its entry into the U.S., this policy would be a better solution than the new travel restrictions announced this week. The U.S. says it will require mandatory negative COVID tests for travelers from China starting January 5th. French researchers reported in July that requiring negative COVID tests before international flights does not necessarily protect countries from the spread. Back in 2021, for instance, they found the Omicron variant in wastewater from two commercial planes that flew from Ethiopia to France, and that was even though passengers were also required to take a test before boarding. One researcher cautioned about expecting wastewater data to make a difference in our ability to respond. He pointed out that while wastewater sampling could be helpful, the testing takes time. And in other air travel news, Southwest Airlines is looking to return order to its schedule. The carrier says it expects to have normal operations with minimal disruptions on Friday. Southwest has canceled close to 16,000 flights over the last eight days. Many customers were left stranded or inconvenienced. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on what the airline is doing to make things right. Southwest says it's eager to return to a state of normalcy ahead of the New Year holiday weekend. The airline is facing intense scrutiny from both customers and the federal government. It sounds like weather was only a trigger to the underlying problem. Democratic Representative Rick Larson, the incoming ranking member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, called the situation a disaster. He says basic investments and upgrades to Southwest systems would have been prudent 20 years ago. I think the House of Representatives should hold hearings uh, on the, this debacle. Larson suggests changing aviation laws in 2023 to better support the traveling public when this type of scenario occurs. He also says it's time Congress strengthens the Passenger Bill of Rights. Larson says in addition to pushing Southwest to upgrade their systems, first and foremost, the government will be looking to see how the company compensates their customers. 
That includes rebooking flights, refunding fares and fees, and reimbursing customers for extra costs incurred. Larson mentioned one last R he'd like to hear from the airline. Remorse. Southwest Airlines should show a little bit more remorse about how they've, uh, how they've treated their customers. The airline has promised to reimburse passengers for expenses such as hotels, meals, and car rentals in addition to refunding tickets. But it added it could take several weeks for repayments. You can submit a full refund request for any canceled flights. And if you have any travel expenses due to the disruption, you can submit those receipts directly on our website. The U.S. Department of Transportation reminded Southwest of their pledge to make things right in a letter on Thursday. Some analysts estimate the meltdown could shave as much as 9% off Southwest's fourth quarter earnings. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg warned the airline it would be held accountable. That's if it doesn't fulfill its commitment to customers. He says penalties could cost the airline tens of thousands of dollars per violation per passenger and fines. President Joe Biden on Thursday signed the $1.7 trillion spending bill that will keep the federal government operating through the end of the federal budget year in September 2023. The bill provides tens of billions of dollars in new aid to Ukraine and record military funding. Biden had until tonight to sign the bill to avoid a partial government shutdown. The 4,000-plus page bill passed the Senate on a bipartisan vote of 68 to 29. With the support of 18 out of 50 Senate Republicans, Biden hailed the passage as proof that Republicans and Democrats can work together after all. But on the other side of the aisle, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy called the bill a monstrosity. Former President Donald Trump's redacted tax returns will be made public today. That's what the U.S. House Ways and Means Committee reported earlier in the week. The Democratic-controlled committee obtained the returns last month as part of an investigation into Trump's taxes. That was after a lengthy court battle that ended with the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in the committee's favor. The documents to be released are expected to include Trump's tax returns filed between 2015 and 2021, the years he ran for and served as president. Can a third dose of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines actually worsen immune response against COVID-19? A peer-reviewed study published in Science Immunology last week is causing concern. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the story. The study by German researchers determined that mRNA boosting created a high level of what are known as IgG4 antibodies. Those are a subclass of antibodies which cause a weaker immune response. This is the latest research to evoke scrutiny of federal vaccine recommendations and continuing vaccine mandates. Mandatory vaccination is still in effect for certain professions, as well as in education, especially for college students. Students are a demographic with lower COVID risks, but heightened risks of heart inflammation. Dr. Robert Malone addresses COVID vaccines. The genetic COVID-19 genetic injections cause far more harm than good and provide zero benefit relative to risk for the young and healthy. The CDC is still recommending that everyone six months and older get a full series and booster of the original COVID-19 strain vaccine. They also recommend a bivalent booster on top of that, which combines the original strain and the Omicron strain. This is regardless of one's age and health-based COVID risk level or likelihood of adverse reactions. The data now show that these experimental gene therapy treatments can damage your children as well as yourself. 
They can damage your heart, your brain, your reproductive tissue, and your lungs. Malone added that this can include permanent damage to your immune system. The IgG4 antibody subclass is associated with increased COVID-related mortality. That is according to Italian researchers who published in the European Journal of Internal Medicine last year. IgG4 study co-author Kilian Schober cautioned against the view that mRNA vaccines are inducing tolerance to infection rather than fighting it. He says that further studies are needed. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And on a different note, when the fiercest blizzard in decades hit Buffalo, New York over the Christmas weekend, an owner of a local barber shop opened his venue's door to those who were stranded in deadly conditions. Here's what happened. Craig Elston had no idea his Buffalo, New York barber shop would one day transform into a life-saving shelter for dozens of people. But that's exactly what happened on Christmas weekend, when the fiercest blizzard the city has seen in decades came fast and furious. It uh, started with me just cutting hair. Elston, owner of CNC Cuts, realized he was stranded with clients on Friday night as the storm set in. Then people came knocking. I let him in, and the first one was like an Arabic guy. And when that guy um, knocked on the door, I realized like his hands was almost frozen. His face was like almost frozen and it was like extremely, extremely excruciating cold. I seen a post on Facebook and on Facebook it was a man laying first face in the snow and he was dead. That's when Elston said he posted a video of himself on social media to guide people in need to the barbershop. Do not, do not stay in your car, man. The barbershop here at 707 Fillmore welcomes you. Please, man. People out there dying. This is real. My door is open. I'm not charging nobody nothing. It's for free. Dozens of people drop by, some to charge their phones, eat and leave again in search of family members. Elston said many stayed overnight on Christmas Eve. Some of the places they slept was in uh, the barber chairs. Um, they had this barber chair pulled out. Some people, a uh, few people slept right here. One person was right here. One man in particular left a lasting impression on Elston. The man literally said, if I'd have been outside two more minutes, I would have died. Because he said he felt his lungs collapsing. Because it was so cold, the breezes was 70 miles per hour. He just said he couldn't make it no longer. Like, he almost fell into the door. So, like, when I opened the door, he fell into my arms and I helped him over there. And it took him about seven, eight hours to get warm. The storm claimed the lives of at least 29 people in the city of Buffalo. The death toll could rise. Officials say many bodies were found frozen in cars or in snowbanks. I just know what I did was from the heart. Amid and, the tragedy, uh, Elston is being praised for his actions. Um, some people, few of the people came in here and said I saved their life. A few people said I'm a national, worldwide hero. Uh, a few people said I deserve everything that's coming my way. And like I said, I didn't do it for that. I did it just to help people. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing how difficulty and adversity can bring out the best in people sometimes. Yeah, you said it, Evelyn. Blizzards are no joke. Craig, well done, sir. And coming up, cars lining up to get funeral home service a night in advance. The COVID situation in China is becoming worse. The nation's major cities are feeling the devastating impact. 
And newly elected Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu makes his first address to cabinet members. At the forefront of his pledge are securing peace and stability in the region, as well as stopping Iran as an adversary. Find out more after the break. Welcome back. We're going to go over to China now. There, the sweeping COVID-19 outbreak is getting more serious. The nation's biggest cities like Beijing and Shanghai were first to feel the impact. Now, other major cities are starting to see long lines of waiting cars outside funeral homes, some of them even lining up the night before to get services. Let's take a closer look. A video shared online captures the scene outside a funeral home in the central Chinese city of Nanjing. On Wednesday, private cars lined up outside the building, all of them transporting human remains. A worker at the funeral home told us on Thursday that wait times for here's transportation are indefinite. If you make an appointment today, you won't get a hearsay today for sure. You have to wait for the hearse driver to contact you. There's no way to give you a specific time now. The worker added that even when the customer transports the remains with their personal car, they still must wait in line outside the funeral home and that no farewell ceremony is possible for the deceased person. Another similar clip comes from the eastern China's Nanchan city, filmed at 2 a.m. on Tuesday. It too shows a long waiting line outside a funeral home. A voice heard in the video says more than 80 cars were already waiting for services. First make an appointment and then line up. First pull the body over and line up. We start working at 5 a.m. You must line up the night before. Northern China Xi'an City, the Xi'an Funeral Parlor says it's operating at full capacity all day long, but still cannot meet demand. Before the pandemic, the parlor only needed to operate for half the day. This according to Chinese media. One resident told us that over the last few days, the situation has gotten worse locally, with infection rates rising and locals reporting fewer symptoms. He blames the issue on a lack of state preparation. To protect his identity, we distorted his voice. I couldn't sleep last night. I was furious because the country opened up without preparing well beforehand. We have nothing now, no medicine, and the regime is still praising itself all day long. It says it's a great victory in the fight against the pandemic. So shameless. Through this pandemic, the Communist Party has completely lost the trust of the people. We'll keep you updated on new developments. Israel's newly re-elected Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu held his first cabinet meeting after being sworn into office on Thursday. Netanyahu took the oath of office moments after Parliament passed a vote of confidence in his new government, marking his sixth term in office. Entity's Kost Temenes brings us the details. At his meeting with ministers and cabinet members, Netanyahu said he will work for all the citizens of Israel. The newly elected government has pledged to prioritize settlement expansion in the occupied West Bank, as well as push for sweeping reform of the judicial system. In the meeting, Netanyahu outlined four main goals. First of all, stop Iran. This is an existential question. First of all, we care about existence and security. Second, to restore security and governance within the state of Israel. Third thing, take care of the cost of living in the housing crisis. The fourth thing, and I believe it is also within reach, is to dramatically expand the circle of peace. Various groups have opposed the new government's plans, including the military and business sector. 
Netanyahu previously served as Prime Minister from 2009 until 2021 and a stint in the 1990s, making him the longest-serving Prime Minister. Four deadlocked elections by an opposing coalition of eight parties caused him to be ousted from office last year. The coalition collapsed in June, allowing Netanyahu and his allies to secure a clear parliamentary majority in November's election. Netanyahu is still facing several corruption charges in Israel despite his political comeback, charges he denies, saying he is the victim of a witch hunt orchestrated by a hostile media, police and prosecutors. Kost Hemenes, NTD News. Taiwanese chipmaker TSMC started mass production of its most advanced chips in southern Taiwan on Thursday. The company says it will continue to expand capacity on the island. TSMC is a market leader of advanced chip technology used in many applications, starting with cell phones all the way to fighter jets. The company spearheaded the development of 3 nanotechnology, and demand for that is growing now with more 5G and high-performance computing products. The company recently announced it would more than triple its plant investment at its Arizona plant to $40 billion, making it among the largest foreign investments in U.S. history. Legendary soccer player Pele passed away Thursday at the age of 82. The Brazilian star rose from barefoot poverty to become one of the greatest and best-known athletes in modern history. Sao Paulo's Albert Einstein Hospital, where Pele was undergoing treatment, said his death was, quote, due to multiple organ failures resulting from the progression of colon cancer associated with his previous medical condition. Pele was the only man to win the World Cup three times as a player. And in a glorious 21-year career, he scored a grand total of 1,283 goals. Tributes poured in from across the worlds of sport, politics, and pop culture. French President Emmanuel Macron wrote on Twitter, quote, The game, the king, eternity. Kylian Mbappe, the French star many view as the current best soccer player in the world, offered his condolences, posting on Twitter, the king of football has left us, but his legacy will never be forgotten. R.I.P. King. I'm saddened, but also proud of being Brazilian, the country of Pele, who was a great athlete and also off the field, he was a great person. He wasn't an arrogant athlete. He was a person that makes one feel proud of being Brazilian. Pele, though, transcended soccer like no player before or since and he became one of the first global icons of the 20th century. Coming up, we speak to the arguably most famous bus driver in the U.S. He went viral for being kind, and after the break, we'll find out where he is now. You may be familiar with Curtis Jenkins. People called him the world's nicest school bus driver. He went viral for all the kindness he showed the kids riding his bus. He encouraged them, inspired them to do what they love, and made that bus into a little family. Now a couple years on, he's working in the student services department in his district and is a coach to many adults hoping to achieve the same connection that he had. I spoke with him to find out where he is now. Well, as a kid, uh, I, I, I didn't, I come from a culture in which uh, I didn't have a lot of people uh, that was there uh, that really listened to the kids. You had kids looking up to adults, but sometimes the adult was the one make, wasn't making the, uh, 
the good decision. So eventually later on, the kids make the same decision in which the adults made and, and find themselves in, uh, in some type of trouble. So I wanted to make a difference in uh, where I come from. Uh, I was taught, um, my mom taught me to you know, do the right thing no matter what, no matter who, how many people are doing the wrong thing. So I just want to be that person that the kids can go to and to understand and really listen to them. Hmm. And I mean, now you work with, as you mentioned, with at-risk kids. What are some of the biggest issues you run into there? A lot of issues kids going to school with. Uh, their norma is not the norma in which the school teachers and principals see. Their norma is totally different. At home, their home life is totally different. We don't know what these kids are going home to. Some of these kids don't even have a home to go home to. Some of them living in, going home to places in which uh, um, it's very violent, it's dangerous. Uh, uh, so the things that they have to go home to sometimes is the worst thing that they ever can imagine. But going to school is something that's the getaway, and that that's not their normal. So you have to really understand where they're coming from to know they're normal because they're not going to be uh, the person that you want them to be if you don't understand where they came from. Hmm. And what do you think you can give them in, in, in your position? Well, I can give them understanding, trust, a safe place for them to understand who I am, what I am, and what I'm about, and that I want the best for them. What do you think they need the most? Understanding and accountability. Uh, to understand what accountability is really what it's about. So many kids are, 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 are said to be not understood. Well, some of the kids understand more than what you think they understand, and that's the reason they uh, they do what they do. They understand they can get away with it. They understand that you're going to not understand what they're doing, in which sometimes they'll manipulate uh, you, the system, and this whole school on uh, because of their circumstances. And sometimes you just hold them accountable of their actions and let them know that, you know, no matter what you're going through, uh, uh, that you have to be accountable of the actions in which you take. That means not doing your homework, not studying. I can't give you a grade in which that pass or boost your grade up. Uh, I have to hold you accountable and give you the grade that you deserve. And some of the, some of the kids right now don't understand uh what's deserving hmm. and i honestly was wondering i was looking at that um the clips and you have built such a strong connection with those kids in basically 20 minutes school bus ride how do you do that how do you form that strong connection with the kids and then again go back to uh get into their lives uh let them see what a normal is really about the normal is coming to school Normal is that I'm going to be on time. You can trust me. I'm going to be there. Uh, and certain things that I ask of them, uh, certain things they expect of me, the, ex the expectation is not set from the start. And most of the time I set my expectation from the day one. And you say you want to teach them compassion on your website, Project Walk. So how do you do that? Compassion is something that people think you can't teach. But compassion is something that you can show and they can understand. And once they show, you should, sometimes sometime you've never been shown compassion in your life. Uh, when somebody show you compassion, you gotta explain to them what it is. 
compassion is something that that kids don't even know the words. I, I remember one kid asked me, "Well, I got straight A's. What I need integrity for? What I need integrity for? Uh, me being compassionate of who I am, I sit down and uh, and explain to her what integrity was all about. You got to have compassion for people. You got to care about people. You got to care about the things that you say, the things that you do, and what people don't understand. If they don't understand, give them a, give them a reason and give them uh, ways in which they can understand. Compassion is accountability. Compassion is a whole combination of things bottled up in one. So uh, when we can realize what compassion is really about, uh, when you uh, eat a piece of cake, you don't ask what's in it. You just know it's good. So people know compassion is good when they feel it. Once they can feel compassion, they know it's a lot of good things, ingredients in it. Well, I wish you all the best and good luck on that journey. I hope it works out. Thank you so much for sharing this. I think it's amazing what you do. Thank you, Curtis Jenkins. Okay, thank you. Curtis told me that his goal is to open up a school someday that embraces all of these values as well. And he is keeping real busy, let me tell you, because he has founded an organization as well. I think you might have heard um, we mentioned it in the interview. It's called Project Walk, and it's also to mentor kids and even adults. Seems like he's really playing a positive role in the community, helping those kids. Absolutely, and I think even internationally, because his efforts just went so viral, his phone kept going off during the interview. Wow. It's amazing, yeah. That is just incredible. And for our viewers out there, please feel free to share your good stories with us. And on behalf of NTD, my colleague Evelyn Lee and I wish you and your family all the happiness and a wonderful new year. I'm Kevin Hogan. We'll see you next year.